0: Because she's a young nerd. And
1: he's and an he's old, old punk. punk.
0: Welcome to Young Nerd Old Punk, the podcast where Kelly and I participate in a subcultural exchange because she's a young nerd. And he's an old punk. We've been talking about this episode, I think, since October. It's late January, <laughs> and we finally gotten together to record. I chose American Hardcore for Kelly to watch.
1: And I chose Binding of Isaac for Tim to play
0: before we get into that, I have something else today. I know when it comes to cheap beer, Kelly and I both enjoy PBR. I wasn't sure if she had tried this yet, so I thought I would bring one along and we'd give our opinions I of it. I was super concerned <laughs> that you it's broke it's into my trunk and Pab- got the Stunky beer. I <laughs> know. <laughs> it's the Pabst Blue Ribbon Easy. It's a low-calorie beer from PBR.
1: Easy is the word that I choose to call
0: Not palette? light. Pabst Blue Ribbon Easy. Oh. Ooh, all that walking shook it up a little bit. You must walk with more pep than I do. <laughs> now, I tend to go with two options when it comes to cheap beer either PBR or Miller Lite. Miller Lite, because, yeah, you got to watch those uh, beer calories sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess my decision today is is this going to replace Miller Lite as my light beer option? Are you
1: feeling easy yet? I think it tastes like ass, so.
0: <laughs> so, beer? Yeah, I mean, it tastes like...
1: <laughs> Maybe it's an acquired taste. And you just have to Water, skunky... I think the skunk skunky. beer from your trunk would have been tasty. Uh, yeah, right?
0: I, it does kind of taste a little like skunky you would like PBR. to try it. It is. Don't smell it. Don't smell it. Why was they going to do that? By the way, Matt and Fancy are here, too. <laughs> <I'm> okay. <sorry. laughs> So always Frank. We're going to have
1: cat sound just <laughs> in the background of the recording.
0: So, Kelly, any other thoughts other than skunky PBR? Thank
1: you for the gift. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs>
0: You're quite welcome. I will finish it, but I do not think this will replace Miller Lite as my light beer of choice.
1: It is union-made, though. Well, that's good. Well, I think
0: pretty much any of them brewed in <laughs> Milwaukee are, though. I think they're all unionized up there.
1: It was just some of the label I was looking
0: at. And... I have one more additional segment before we get into our reviews. Kelly, we're going to play a game of The Smiths or Master P. Are you familiar with either The Smiths or Master P?
1: I know of The Smiths. No
0: you know of them. <laughs> oh, that's good. Matt, why don't you load up those clips for me real quick? You know, yo, don't take one gram of every Obviously, this is master food. I was gonna say, this, is, a this man, is the Smiths, Smith, Kelly. <laughs> it's
1: not, I do not know who the Smiths are. This is the Smiths.
0: <laughs> Alright, Matt, you can cut it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm gonna read you some lyrics. <laughs> You decide if it's the Smiths or Master P. Feel like I'm trapped in a prison, slowly waiting to die. It's getting harder for my people, yet we don't know why.
1: The Smiths.
0: Wrong, Master, Master P.
1: P. I thought it was too obvious. <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> kind of want to do that one in there. Uh, so for once in my life, let me get what I want. Lord knows it would be the first time.
1: Not the Smiths. I already forgot their name.
0: Master P. Master P. Why oh. do you do this. <laughs> it's wrong again. It is the Smiths. <laughs> yep. Fight me like a monkey on top of an elephant.
1: Master P? That is Master P. Yeah! Yeah.
0: (laughs) Sweetness, I was only joking when I said I'd like to smash every tooth in your head.
1: The Smiths.
0: That is the Smiths. I thought I'd trick you up on that one.
1: It was, again, too obvious, so I picked the other.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Too obvious that it was the wrong answer, so she picked the right one. Two more to go. My only weakness is a list of crimes. My only weakness is, well, never mind. Nirvana? <laughs> <laughs> the Smiths? That is the Smiths. Yeah. I'm the first to find out, the last to know. I'm the shit on the bathroom floor.
1: Master P? That
0: is Master P. So what'd you get? Three out of six? Sure. 50%. Right. You should have used the Paps as my blue
1: ribbon prize. Right. You just had an opportunity. opportunity. Yeah. 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 Oh, After well. the
0: first one, I was like... There's mm-hmm. no going back now. No. So, Kelly, how would you like to start? Me to rail into Binding of Isaac? Or sure. Or you want to go with... American Hardcore. <clears throat> she already said sure. We're going to see Binding of Isaac. Well, what kind of background you got for us on that game? Oh,
1: Lord. I don't have any background because I am unprepared. But Binding of Isaac is a game by, made by Ian McMillan, I believe. I think you're right. And it is about his upbringing, kind of. He lived in an abusive household, and that is what...
0: A religious abusive a religious
1: household. Religious abusive household. And the game uh, it's kind like,
0: of just repeating the same thing, I think. Yeah. Sounds like a fun game.
1: And you are, you play as Isaac, and the beginning of the game shows that um, his mom is, like, trying to harm him, and then a Bible falls on her head, and she's knocked out, and Isaac is scared, so he goes into the cellar underneath his family's house. He, from there, goes and fights all these demons and gross creatures and some poop. Your weapons are your tears. And you get various upgrades throughout the game. Some of them are upgrades, some of them are downgrades, some of them are just mess up the game completely grades would be <laughs> the best description of them. That's the game. You, It's a twin stick shooter and you're shooting at gross
0: stuff. You're a little boy who is running away from his mom. Well, I'm glad the first time I talked to you about this game, you actually sold me on it. Because right now, <laughs> I would not play it. It's the game I could imagine. <laughs> she also forgot to mention it's a roguelike, so... Yeah, well, I'll get into those details, because I did do my research. <clears throat>
1: I don't know those terms. <laughs>
0: um, upon starting the game, this might not be true for all versions, but the splash screen was uh, from Sam Keith. who's a comic book artist, and he made, probably within my top three greatest comics, the Max. So I'm glad he made a little money. Off me when I bought this game. If you've played games since oh, around the Nintendo Entertainment System, you will get a hit of nostalgia to start the game because it is very Legend of Zelda esque as far as the dungeons. I mean, that's the basic way out of this game. Uh, Eric was actually in when I, I think maybe i had been playing in a week, and he saw me playing. He picked it up for a little bit because he did ask, like, "Is this Legend of Zelda? And what's this doing on the Xbox?" <laughs> like I said, twin stick shooter. Oh, each game's randomly generated.
1: Oh yeah, I forgot to mention
0: that part. I guess, yeah, each game that you play, Mm -hmm. it is kind of how it's set up. You start a new game basically every single time. Real basic gameplay, not a lot to that part of it. I don't know how to describe it other than Twin Stick Shooter. But that was also kind of one of the problems I had with it. Never felt like I was succeeding because of my actual skills with the game. It seemed far too dependent on what power-ups you got or the downgrade. Like I said, the downgraded powers, things like that. I played it 64 times, and I made one complete run out of 64. I think if it wasn't procedurally generated, I would have liked it more. Mm-hmm. Like if it was actually stru- a structured game, and but then the game would last what forty five minutes, yeah, maybe. So people would be disappointed in that.
1: Hey God, I'm going to grab my switch to tell you how many games I have played and then won. I thought she was just so bored by you talking. <laughs> no, <many years> out. <laughs> doesn't say how many times I've played, but I have had 856 deaths, and I've killed Mom 97 times, which not necessarily counts the number of wins
0: because no, the no. further
1: you get into, you can kill Mom and then have to win by doing other things. And my best winning streak was two.
0: Jesus, really? Yeah. Good God and almighty. I have, I'm glad I have not put a lot of time into this game then.
1: I have like 400 hours in this, I what? believe.
0: How did you play this game 400 hours? Because that's what I walked away wondering the most, I think, was how it is a good game for a portable. Like, I see why on the Switch... Mm-hmm. But if I'm already sitting on my couch on my Xbox, that is not the game I load up. Three hundred
1: sixty-five. But yeah, it's definitely I would sit and play it probably while yeah. watching Netflix, while watching YouTube, right. while watching anything.
0: And you got to switch pretty early, so you had limited game selection too. In the
1: beginning, was
0: definitely. it was it one of the? Did it release when the Switch released, or like shortly after? Shortly after. Uh, that's really what I shortly. Thought. So, I mean, in general, yeah, if you had a Switch and nothing else to play and you needed something quick, say you only had a 10-minute ride to work and you're taking the bus, yeah, I would buy it for that reason. I would move. <laughs> My games usually
1: take, like, 40-plus minutes, so you right. 10 minutes is
0: just... Well, still, you could put it in standby mode yeah. and come back to it later. I'm mm-hmm. just saying it's pretty quick to pick up and play. I I like twin-stick shooters, too, though, and it just, I don't know. At one point, like, what am I missing here? Because I knew how long you had Mm -hmm. played it and how many hours, sort of how many hours. I didn't know it was that fucking high, (laughs) but I kind of generally knew. I did. I got to a point where like, am I playing this wrong? What am I doing wrong? Am I missing some more complexity to it? And it just, it wasn't there. I will say this. Go ahead.
1: Okay. I kind of hit the point where I'm like, I want to get all the endings, and then I gave up because I have two left, I believe, right. and I've also been slowly going through the challenges. So,
0: And that was the thing, too. You have the other characters. You don't have to play just as Isaac, but I didn't feel like they really changed things up a whole lot. I think I started off with four, maybe, or three, and I tried all of them.
1: Once you get Azazel, it's essentially playing on easy mode. He's the demon who shoots laser beams. Right. Right. And you just pretty much shoot laser beams, and he he can fly as a beginning default as well.
0: Right. So that that helps a
1: a lot, especially since a good chunk of the enemies are limited to being able to go over rocks or go over gaps, so you can just kind of hang out on the side and just... Right. Everything.
0: Just blast. I will say this because it is so like Zelda, Nintendo should literally pay this team to just reskin the game exactly as it is <laughs> with a Zelda theme. <clears throat> So I can watch Nintendo fans talk about how it's the greatest game ever and nothing before it. There's never been anything like it before. And then six months down the line, talk about how it's a shit game and they should have never used the Zelda license for this garbage.
1: Yeah, but at the same time, I feel like Binding of Isaac has had enough of a following that like, a lot of streamers play it because it is one of those easy pick-up-and-go sort of games. At least they used... A lot of streamers used to play it because it is...
0: It's been around since, like, 2011? Yeah. Does that sound about right? I was thinking, yeah, like, PC first.
1: And a lot of people got it through Humble Bundles originally, so a lot of people have it. A lot of people have at least tried to play it.
0: And it's not a bad game. It's just, if I'm playing a game and I'm failing at it, then it needs to be based upon the fact that I'm bad at it. And I don't think I was necessarily bad at this game. It's just so dependent on what that random generation is. I don't tend to like roguelikes anyways. Hmm. So i kind of knew going in i may be disappointed three out of five pocket protectors final score
1: <laughs> I forgot. What, I forgot <laughs> the
0: worst. Worst. and i recommended to kelly the documentary american hardcore it was released in 2006 and it's a look at punk rock in america between 1980 and 1986. i think generally and it's been a while since i watched it so i could be wrong it's Generally did what it was supposed to do, which was give you sort of a primer course on, hey, this is what was going on in the punk rock scene in 1980 through 96. Generally pretty accessible to anybody. It's not necessarily targeted people that already know the things that are in this movie. So I feel like if you came in with no knowledge, you'd walk away feeling like you had an understanding of that time period in punk rock. And it is available to watch on Amazon Prime currently.
1: That's how I watched it. (laughs) We should get an Amazon sponsor. Right, day yeah. now? Any day exactly. now?
0: We'll take a dollar.
1: <laughs> I watched the movie or documentary, and um, one thing that I really found entertaining was so they interviewed all of these different like artists and producers throughout the um, movie. It was about 50 Fifty percent of them look like they're still in the '80s and they never left the punk rock scene. <laughs> the other fifty percent looked like they, you know, just got home from their nine-to-five mm-hmm. and. It just kind of made me giggle just because it's, comp- they were all about the counterculture and then some of them, at least for appearance wise, for the
0: this documentary. documentary. <laughs> you know, my, the first time I watched it, I'm sitting there like, aren't you guys supposed to be anti-money and everything else and you see them poolside and everything? That's at the director's house. Oh. Yeah, when I found that out, that kind of changed my opinion. Like, oh, okay, so you haven't just turned into some rich white dude that you previously hated. So that did, because, yeah, when I was first time I watched I remember being like, hey, fuck you, Keith Morris, look at where you're living. Which, I'm sure Keith Morris still has a nice house.
1: <laughs> but we couldn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also, um, something that I found really challenging throughout the documentary was only, like, the first time somebody was on screen, I was able to know who they were which I'm not really good at tracking, like, faces and people, especially when there's, like, I'm sure it was only, like, 20 to 30, but it felt like a million people that they interviewed.
0: Oh, yeah. No, it was – they pretty much hit everybody. Could And I think that's – once you mentioned that on Twitter, I thought about it, and maybe they did target to, well, basically me as mm. the audience because I knew their names before they popped up <laughs> who they were. I mean, there might have been one or two, like, man, I know that face, and then they pop the name up, but I – I would not have needed the names, you know, since I worship them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Something that I found a lot of, I found really funny, sometimes I watch everything with subtitles on just because I find it easier. And for some of the portions of, like, the live shows, they'd have, like, spot-on subtitles. And other right. times, it would just
0: stop trying.
1: Right. <laughs> so, it was just Too really much.
0: wonderful. they just like, yeah, no. I'm curious, was there anybody in the documentary that stood out to you more than the other people in it?
1: Um, definitely can't remember the names. But, um, I wasn't aware in, like, even the early punk rock scene that there were, um, like, people of color who were part of it. Right. <laughs> and then, I. Can't remember the band, but they ended up transitioning to reggae, which I thought was really interesting.
0: Oh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but honestly, yeah, actually, from the get go, the reggae scene and the punk rock scene, at least in England, were fairly intertwined, actually. Oh. So, I mean, that would have been carried over to America. It's just how it works.
1: Something other fun that I saw, and one of the like s- pictures that they like put up is because a lot of it's kind of slideshowy almost. Yeah. Um, it was there was somebody in Iowa State shirt.
0: Oh yeah! At least
1: it was. Go it was yellow. It was red with yellow font, and it said ISU. I'm pretty and, sure. Yeah, it has to be
0: Iowa State, right? So it was
1: just kind of a hey, that's yeah. a thing I recognize. Kind of wonder who
0: that was, because that was
1: it was just somebody at like a show. Right.
0: right? Just like a uh, random okay, guy. just so rando.
1: Also, um, something I found really interesting is a lot of the like recording was kind of just a one and done sort of deal. They performed it as if they were at a concert, whereas, like, now, for any sort of recording, there's so much extra mixing. Right. And those
0: bands would have, too, if they had access to money to do that, honestly.
1: But it also makes sense, too, because, like, of the albums Tim's had me listen to over time, there's a lot more, like, energy and less of that, like, perfection in a lot of these things.
0: Oh, yeah. Definitely.
1: So, at one point, they played the song Red, and... Or, Seeing Red.
0: Oh, from Iron Threat. <laughs>
1: yep. And I was like, is that your kid's favorite song? <laughs>
0: Actually, oh my god, that's funny. Uh, I didn't do it on purpose, but recently the wife asked me to put together a flash drive for her car of my music so he could have it in her car. That song is on there. <laughs> Perfect. I didn't even mean to do it, so that's funny.
1: And something other, like just some comparisons, was... At one point, there was a quote that was, no one said this is going to be on the radio. Like, it was completely not the point of the whole scene. But, like, in 2008... Let me
0: stop here, because that's bullshit. (laughs) Nobody gets in a band to not sell records. I mean, yes, they say that, and every punk rocker on the world will tell you that, but... In the back of their fucking head. They want to be on a major label, and they never want to have to work again.
1: That's for sure. <laughs> but it definitely made me think of, like, the YouTube music scene in the 2008-2010 range, where there were a lot of, like, up-and-coming, not even up-and-coming musicians. There were a lot of musicians. Some of them were garbage. Some of them were excellent, but they also weren't doing it on the Mindset. We're going to be on the radio. They are on the Mindset you know, maybe we'll be able to sell an album out of our garage Right. more than anything because that was, like, the time before, like, sponsorships even existed on YouTube, so it was just based on merch you were selling.
0: Right. And, yeah, now I make every rock star sound like a money grover. On the other side, if you aren't actually passionate about the music you make, you don't get on a record label either way. So they also care about the music. But they're okay with making money and not having to work for a living. Who would not be?
1: And one of my final thoughts about just, like, the creation of the music was, like, all the stuff they talked about that they did DIY, so making the posters, which I've seen and definitely saw in the zine that I reviewed. But I wasn't aware, like... Apparently, one of the bands found, like, a record sleeve and cut it apart to make a pattern, printed the pattern, then folded and Elmer's glued it all together. And it just is crazy to think about.
0: Still goes on to this day in scrubby little basements all over America.
1: <laughs> and he, the number he's like, it had to have been, like, 10K, number the number of albums. And I'm like, that's
0: crazy. <laughs> yeah, it is.
1: <laughs> like, I'm sure they had some sort of assembly line with their three friends. You
0: know that. Me and Matt are, like, really interesting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then, um, the other part of the whole thing was kind of about the concert scene for the punk rock. Like, it was kind of intertwined, but in my brain it was, like, two pieces. Right. And something I found really, really interesting was, like, if the cop showed up, you just punch a cop. Like... And these kids, a lot of them were like 13, 14, 15-year-old, and I'm sure the parents weren't aware what was going on, but whose 13- through 15-year-old parent like lets them just, oh, I'm going to a show tonight.
0: My parents dropped me off until I could drive myself. <laughs> Keep in mind, I was born in the 90s and lived on an Air Force base, so. And I had one of those abusive religious parents. Not really. I had a religious parent, but not the abusive part. Mom's going to hear this, because she's going to cry. <laughs> she's asked before. It'd be her fault if she listens to it. It's not my fault.
1: And, um, like, the growing of it, like, the kids in D.C., they made comments that they all were, like, kids of politicians, kids of bankers, kids of pretty much all of the people that they were against, which makes sense, because nobody likes their parents when they're that age.
0: Or politicians. Or
1: politicians. So, obviously this came from, like, the kids wanting to prove you suck. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Thanks for fucking up my future, mom. And dead <laughs> really pounding my mom tonight phrasing <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: so some things from like the concerts I came to conclude is that like punk rock is very punchy like it makes me nervous
0: <laughs> it was
1: how it was portrayed in the documentary yeah,
0: it, it can be I don't think it is as much today it's, it's not in the Des Moines area I could tell you that much a lot, a lot of standing around Talking to your seamster friends. <laughs> There's a lot of standing around in Des Moines, period, so. And the, it's pretty much part of our culture <laughs> that's gonna intertwine. Just like, um. White it, people standing around.
1: In the beginning, apparently DC was a lot more mellow than, like, the West Coast is again if what? you if you
0: only looked at the hardcore scene yes, but if you backed up a few maybe like two years earlier, I don't think that's accurate at all yeah
1: also the fact that a lot of these people were really good record keepers just boggles my mind because they're talking about how they were like sleeping on other people's couches sleeping in essentially like trap houses is how they were described yeah. and yet they have boxes and boxes of their first set list all their posters and some like. I'm not that organized, so sometimes I'm like, how oh, did you remember to keep this? Like, sometimes I'm like, ooh, I should keep that, and then it just kind of... Ends up in the pile of other Ends shit. up in the pile, and then this is like chronological boxes they had going on. That's psychotic. <laughs> it is, but it's, it's awesome because they I do mean, have-
0: I mean, I still have a bunch of shit around my house, but I'm not putting it in chronological order.
1: What about alphabetical order?
0: Not even alphabetical. How would you find (laughs) anything? Honestly, if it can't hang on a wall in my basement, it goes in the trash. That's kind of how that works. I'm pretty sure Fancy uses the Dewey Decimal System at home for everything. That would be so satisfying. You should see all the flyers from her punk rock. (laughs) baby. amazing.
1: (laughs) And then, um, like, the one other thing that they hit on was, like, the ladies of punk rock and how, like, at least... During how this portrayed it, punk rock wasn't very lady-friendly at the time. Like, there were women, but it was a lot of, like...
0: Again, if you back up, like, two years before, like, 1981, it was probably a 50-50 split. Uh, When you look at the bands, that came right before hardcore came Mm -hmm. in. When it was just punk, women were completely involved. When it turned to hardcore, yeah, that straight white male domination kind of took over.
1: It was, like, overly sexual and just overly... Hardcore, like
0: yeah, too much teenage testosterone. It, that, that's basically it. Yeah,
1: and it also explains the punches. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly.
1: At towards the end of it, they were like talking about like punk rock now, and they're like, "and these fuckers have buses," and I'm like, "You dreamed of that?" Yeah, exactly. Like, Timson's saying, yeah. but they were just so like grumpy. Like we never had that. We were couch
0: surfing and sleeping with roaches. But right, hey, motherfuckers, there's still bands today that are sleeping with roaches.
1: Yeah, so it was just. And it, I did find it a really interesting perspective because right. I wasn't alive during that time, and it was all new information for me.
0: So, how many Mohawks out of five?
1: Oh, I was gonna do punches out of five. <laughs> oh, very <Okay, so. laughs>
0: well. Yeah, I was kind, kind of set you up for some scoring system. No, I, you know, I was really excited. <laughs> I had a scoring system, so um,
1: I'd say like like three and a half punches out of five.
0: Hell, that's better than binding advice. I got. <laughs> All right.
1: Please follow us on Twitter at Frisky Discs. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts.